You're listening to CivCast on the Kyle Dempster Studios Network. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash CivCast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of CivCast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Valter. Hello, Valter. Hey, Kyle. Good to be here. Glad to have you back. We've both been under the weather for the past uh, couple weeks in general. And we're back just in time to talk about some major Civ news as they release the uh, the fall 2017 update and two... Uh, new DLC leaders, which are part of that whole DLC bundle pack fumble thing that happened. And this is our, what do you want to say? This is this is the, Fraxis's gift to us as two new leaders. So we're going to be diving into all of that this episode. Uh, can I just get your off the top, like, just summarize it in a, a good, bad, ugly, ecstatic. What, what do you take away from this, Valter, already? Just the, the fall update and the two leaders. Are you happy with it? Um, especially the fall update, happy. The two leaders, uh, not convinced yet. And don't forget the scenario, which I haven't really tried yet. Oh, well, as you notice, I already did forget about the scenario because it's a scenario. <laughs> and yeah, it's not 1990 anymore, so I'm not interested. But um, Yeah, fair. I, I, I don't know. That does actually, now that I say that, feel like a weird relic of the past. Like, I would have cared about scenarios a long time ago, but now, I don't know, they just feel out of place to me uh, in, a, in, a, in a world of... Multiplayer online, I feel like a scenario is not something I would do, but we do yeah. have a lot. So mm. let's um let's do a quick recap of the Civcast challenge. I'm gonna do this, so uh, and then you can I'll be done talking for a little bit. Valter, uh, I, I, when we get into the show notes, I'll let you take away with a lot of the 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 fall patch itself because there's a lot of faith involved in it. And I feel like that's your area of specialty. And I've got some yeah. of mine in there with the naval stuff. But are you cool with that? Absolutely. Excellent. So as a reminder to everyone who has already uh, been participating in the CivCast challenge, that is over on our subreddit. So that is civcast.reddit.com. You can find it. And uh, over there, it's sticky at the top. But here, here's all the notes you'll need to know. You're going to be playing as Nubia, our last uh, DLC leader that came out previous to these two. Your starting age is normal. You have some set opponents being Alexander, Scythia, Gorgo, Gilgamesh, and Gandhi, because you know Gandhi and the rest are the uh, real war- warmongers of the world. Uh, and you're going to be playing on a Pangea map, so they can easily strike at your capital. I guess vice versa, too, but come on. We all know Alexander's going for your throat. Uh, map size is small, speed normal, resources standard, victory type, you guessed it, domination, uh, emperor difficulty as usual. And this is going on until the 28th of October, which is an FYI, is this upcoming Saturday. So if you're catching this podcast, um, you know, anytime after the 22nd through the 28th, you better get it in there. It's it's turning around quickly. Uh, we've already got some great submissions, so uh, I look forward to reading those off next week. Almost Halloween, too, in the United States, so that's fun, you know. Ooh, Halloween! Uh-huh. The kids will be out trick-or-treating. It's going to probably snow here in Utah at this rate. It's <laughs> been freezing. Like, so uh, I, don't, I don't know how they do that here. But sure, I'll be inside playing video games, as usual. Okay, so that wraps up our SafeCast challenge. That's basically our housekeeping. Oh, one other note of housekeeping is that uh, because I owed you guys something for Patreon, I put up a... Uh, what do I what do I even call it? I think I call it the year in review. Uh, it's something that we talked about doing on the show here, and we still want to do it. We just can't, unfortunately. Well, it might be a more of a next week sort of thing, especially because we have this big, big load of patch notes for this week. But um, it was kind of what I was talking about in the past where I said I want to look at where Civ said that they were going to go and where they actually netted out one year later, so hence the year in review. And in that, it's both a, it's both a, a video, so you can just watch it like you do this Twitch stream. It's also uh, in audio format, so you can do that as well. But what I do is I take one of their initial launch, te- not teaser trailers, but one of their like full launch videos, where it's like a 15-minute video, and I think I've only gotten through five minutes of it, so there's probably at least two other parts coming. But in that 15-minute video, I, I pause and I give commentary, basically, on like where I think things have netted out with it. Uh, I know initially I got into the art style, 
I think it just got to districts. Uh, I know the combat movement thing is coming up in there. Uh, there's some other some other really cool things to talk about and how. Oh gosh, it's going to go on and on and on because you know they're they're touting all their points. Some of them they hit on the head. Some of them they missed. Um, some of them just haven't gone far enough yet. But I thought that that was a fun way to just uh, look at all that stuff, get you guys something fresh and new. Not the historian that Dan is, so uh, I, I'm trying to fill. I'm trying to fill his shoes, but in a different way. You know, I, I'm trying to. F- I'm trying to be his substitute, but not his replacement. So, <laughs> so that's my 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 gift, I guess. What what I owe you all. Uh, so, Falter patch notes. Have you heard of those? The the the, the fall ones. You saw that little drop this week. We got patch notes. Oh yeah, notes. I was so excited. I was so excited for it. And I actually already played one game as uh, the Khmer. So yeah, I, I definitely have paid attention to it. Good. And that's going to be great to get your take on the Khmer because we're going to, let's start off with them. They're at the top of this list. So uh, where's my button here? Button, button, multi, nope. Uh, is it this one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought I reformatted this. Hold on one second. There we go, everybody. Okay. If you're on Twitch, now you can see what we're looking at. So uh, as usual, they do a nice little um, nice little thing on their blog that summarizes all the points. So this is what we're going to be talking about this week. We'll start off with the Khmer, uh, who I also have pulled up. That's not you. Wait, you're the Khmer, right? Who's the Khmer? Is that the... Yeah, that's you. Okay, okay. Um, so anyway, we'll start off with them, Valter. What cool things are the Khmer bringing to us now? We have... So yeah, go for the it. Whole, the whole kind of thing with this patch and the civilizations that, that came with it has been like, we're going to work a little bit more on religious stuff. Mm. And especially with Khmer, I can definitely feel that. So their unique ability is the Grand Brias, uh, Barrias, mm-hmm. which farm provides two uh, food if adjacent to an aqueduct, which is actually making aqueducts more viable, and plus three faith and plus one amenity to each city with an aqueduct. So this is a really big boost to the aqueduct, which, as we have noticed before, is not our favorite district. Yeah. But with Khmer, it actually becomes quite viable to build a couple of aqueducts in a couple of cities. And that also makes it a lot more viable for your cities to not always be on a river. Ooh. But they also have, like, his unique ability. And, okay, I'm going to try and pronounce it again. <laughs> Yeah, Varaman the Seventh uh-huh. has Good the job. monasteries of the king, um, which his holy sites provide two food, plus two food, and plus one housing if placed on a river. So you don't have to you don't have to have your city on a river for fresh water because you can build an aqueduct for the fresh water bonus and everything like that. But you want to have your holy sites on a river for that extra food and housing, which is awesome. And beyond that, it also provides a culture bomb. This is, I think, the third civilization that has the ability to do the culture bomb. And they are really, really powerful if you time them correctly and just Taking extra tiles from an enemy civilization away is always really nice. So I really like this ability, actually, of him. And he also has a unique unit, the, the Domray, which, if you haven't looked at it, you really should look at the picture of it in the Civilopedia. The reason why, the unit is an elephant with a ballista on its back. And the picture in the Civilopedia has the elephant with his eyes and everything like that. But the ballista has eyes and a face as well, which is really cute. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, it is really no, cool. that's not the picture down there, is it? Huh? The little bar at the bottom. Or maybe it is. I don't think people can see it on screen, but there's... Yeah, go look that up. It looks cool. It, it is actually really cool. And uh, it's, it's actually a pretty decent unit. It's not a replacement unit for anything. It's an extra unit inserted into the siege uh, path. So you have catapults, and normally you would go to bombards afterwards, which that means there is a gap in between in the medieval era where you don't have an upgrade for a military unit, uh, as is which pretty much every class, like the light cavalry, the heavy cavalry, everything, they usually skip one era. But uh, now you have a medieval siege unit as well as the Khmer, and the big point of this one is you can move and shoot in the same turn as well. So previously, you could only do that if you had an upgrade uh, on your promotion tree from your siege unit, but this one can actually move and shoot the same turn. And it also exerts certain zones of control, which is really nice if you want to siege a city, like literally siege it where it doesn't regain any health. 
Um, it's a pretty nice thing. It upgrades to the artillery, which is maybe a little bit sad, but then again, you don't want it to upgrade to a bombard that quickly either, I think, usually. So, yeah, it's a pretty good unit. Yeah, the Domri seems very cool. Anything that can move and shoot in the same turn is a favorite of mine. Like, really, I mean, that that I think that that move, pause, shoot is a hard thing for uh, a, 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 a siege unit to do. Like, you know, you're just very vulnerable yeah. there. So anytime you can move and shoot in the same turn, plus with the zone of control, that's really, really cool. I like that unit. Yeah, especially if you, if you have a great general, somebody uh, that gives a boost to movement from the medieval era that makes them really dangerous because they can get in real quickly to a city, just bash down the walls so you, you don't get any damage from the walls on your units anymore and just hammer it in there. I think they're, they're a really cool unit um, and they don't have much to do with the fate kind of thing that they were going for, but I still like this unit a lot. That's a uh, good point. I didn't even think of the Great General yeah. with them. That's that's really smart, Valter. Did you have great success with the Domri while you played with it? I, I played one game a square because I wanted to try the religious game, so I went uh -huh. for religious victory, which I, in the end, succeeded in. Yay. But during that path, I got into war with Gorgo, <laughs> the warmonger that she is. Uh -huh. And uh, I did indeed use a Great General combined with uh, two Domri's to break down a couple of our cities quite quickly. Wow, very nice. Because like you said, like I really am not that into siege units. If I want to like break down walls and everything like that at the moment, I mostly go for ranged units like archers, crossbowmen, those kinds of things. Sure. Because they will be able to like move into the two-tile range and then shoot the same turn, which yep. you can't really do with a siege unit. But with the Domri, you, you lose that, that negative point, and they are so much better at sieging a city, so... They are actually, when I'm playing Commerce, they will be my unit of choice for that kind of, of, of play. Good. That's good to hear. Because, yeah, exactly. I have to completely echo what you just said about choosing the archers and crossbowmen over t traditional siege units because of the lack of movement. So I'm glad to hear that they're filling that role. That is something I'm very interested in playing. And the good thing is, like, eventually they will upgrade to an artillery, which means they will yeah. lose that bonus. of. But by then, you probably will have enough promotions that they have the ability to uh, shoot at the same turn since you can get the promotion on them. So then or, like, you will not have to deal with that negative uh, downside anymore to the siege unit. Great point. And the final thing for Khmer is the Parasat, which is a replacement for the temple. It has the exact same yields, but missionary spirits in the city receive the martyr promotion, which means that if they die, you will gain a relic. And there's an extra relic slot. Now this uh, this sounded really really powerful to me because relics are pretty cool. You get a lot of extra fate from it, a lot of tourism stuff like that. But in my experiences, because uh, missionaries can't initiate religious combat themselves, it's actually not that useful to have the martyr promotion on them, hmm. unless you literally just try and go and kill them. It just it just doesn't really work that well wow. which is sad yeah but maybe i'm i've so far played only one game as them so i can't really tell if it's really that way or just was just in my particular game but i don't think uh it's that great and it also has a bit to do with what i think is later in like uh the list of the patch uh, but i'm going to fast forward a little bit to it and that is that they gave nine existing leaders the low religious preference trait so they are unlikely to hardly push for religion right which i really noticed i don't remember exactly who i had in the game but they were all leaders who i assume would get the low religious preference i i, I saw the list and most of the the people that i encountered actually were in in that list so there was not a lot of religious warfare on my content, which made my religious victory a bit easier as well, but also made religious combat not that much of a thing. Sure. Therefore, my missionaries didn't die so much. Ah, I see. So you really need to be in like a tense uh, uh, religious game to to feel the that perk, maybe. Yeah, I mean, many people uh, have uh, encountered the, the big spam of missionaries and apostles going through your lands. 
uh, by enemy to try to convert your cities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't seen that in this game. And if, if that were the case, then I'm pretty sure that my missionaries would have died easier <laughs> and I would have gotten a couple of relics out of that. Yeah. And if and the, the Passerat also gets an extra relic slot, which means you can store more relics. And if you then, with your fate, choose the... Uh, founder belief of uh, getting extra yield out of your uh, relics, that this could build up to a really big thing. But unfortunately, it, it didn't for me. Huh. Well, they seem... So the Khmer seem... I mean, they're very much religious-focused, right? We're talking about plus yes. three faith and amenity to each city <laughs> with an aqueduct, um, which ties into the great... What is it? Great Baryars or something like that. Uh, Bares, I, I, I'm doing. I'm gonna do terrible at this, everybody. Just as an FYI, all of these words in today's are are not uh, good ones for me to pronounce. But so they're very, and they also these are the ones that get the holy site plus two. Uh, they get the culture bomb whenever they do holy site. So so they're very very yeah. religious focused, is what we can say with the Khmer. Religious focused, yeah, but also a military siege unit to to help conquer some other cities. Um, I like it. I mean, it seems like a good, well-rounded uh, religious civilization. As we know, that's my weak spot in a bad way. Not my weak spot as in I like them, but against. Um, but I, I really like that Domri unit. Like, that might be enough to get me to go in there and play with the Khmer, I have to say. I mean, you don't have to go for the religion. I mean, I would recommend founding a religion at least. Uh-huh. But you don't have to 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 go for religious victory. Um just using the Domri, they are pretty pretty cool. And I have to say, they look pretty cool. I mean, it's an elephant with a freaking ballista on its back. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. That's pretty awesome. I know. That that alone is something, a, a good reason to play the, that unit. Uh, anything else you want to touch on with Khmer before we head over to Indonesia for a second? No, I think uh, Khmer, I've, I've got uh, down now. So uh, I think we should go to Indonesia unless you have something. No, let's go to Indonesia so I can botch more words. Because we're going to start <laughs> off with the Civ unique ability is the Great Nusantara. Uh, which... I think you did magnificent on that one. Yay! Uh, minor adjacency to coastal tiles, to holy sites, campuses, industrial zone, and theater square, plus one amenity to each entertainment complex adjacent to a coastal tile. So, her bonuses are giving uh, coastal tiles with a, a district next to it some sort of bonus, which is cool. So, you're getting minor adjacency for your holy site, campus, industrial zone, theater, then your industrial complex uh, would get plus one amenity. So very, very cool. complex. Is that what did I say? Something different? You said industrial. Oh, did I? I'm sorry. Yeah, the industrial That's complex. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the military industrial complex. Great. Um, no, you're the entertainment complex. Thank you, Valter. I need you here to catch my, my faux pas. Uh, so that seems neat. I mean, she's getting bonuses to all of your districts. So if you're a big... Um, a big water side builder, a big coastal builder like I am, you're going to get some bonuses for that. Especially can be beneficial when you are doing, you're aiming for wonders that go on the ocean like I do. Because uh, for for those ones that require, uh, what's the what's the one, the Venetian dockyard, doesn't that require your industrial uh, zone to be next to the water? So you would receive some sort of yeah, bonus. Sounds like that. Yeah, I think it's industrial zone needs to be there. I could be botching it. But um, that requires... I don't build it to often so unfortunately I, i'm not that good with it fair enough but i'm fairly certain that has to be there so you get a bonus from that then eventually uh let's see so that's there so you are absolutely correct i just checked it Woo! industrial zone district must be adjacent which kind of sucks because that usually prevents you from doing the roar valley next to that as well because i think roar valley uh, then yeah. needs so so uh, my ideal city would have both the Roar Valley Wonder and the Venetian Dockyard so that you're getting like do- you know, I mean, compound you bonus. don't need to have them in, in the same city because the Venetian Dockyard gives you the ability to get an extra unit in all of your cities when you build a naval That's unit. So you, can, so you can have uh, the, the Roar Valley in a different city with even more production and That's a good uh, point. just span naval units from there. I haven't built that Wonder in ages. I don't remember how it works, apparently. Uh, just what it <laughs> requires to build. Um, but 
so there's that, uh, which still sucks that, you know, you have to worry about all these silly adjacency things because I don't recommend, I mean, building the industrial zone still on the coast usually is not the place for it because then you lose adjacency to your yeah. mines and stuff, which are usually more inland. But this maybe slightly offsets that. So that's that's a positive. I mean, at least you're getting some adjacency bonus from it. Uh, yeah, to me, it's 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 really not enough. Uh, usually, there will be a lot better places. The only reason why I could think this would actually work well is if you're playing on the island plates where there is very little space to build your city, uh, your uh, uh, districts anyway, uh-huh. and you will end up uh, coastal most cases anyway. And then it might actually be beneficial, but usually beyond that, not that much. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Up next, we have, uh, oh, here we go, Guitarja Unique Ability. Guitarja Unique Ability. Exalted Goddess of the Three Worlds, which is what I just prefer to refer to her as because it's a little bit less complicated. <laughs> but the Exalted go- exalted Goddess of the Three Worlds. Naval units can be purchased with faith. Uh, religious units pay no movement to embark or disembark. Uh, plus two faith to city centers that are adjacent to the coast. This is where I could care less because uh, I, I mean, I guess if I'm building a, 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 some sort of religion to begin with, maybe I could start kind of paying for my naval units with faith. But, eh, you know, I, I don't, I've never done that in Civ Six to be honest. Um, religious units pay no movement to embark. I wouldn't use that personally. Um, plus two faith uh, to city centers that are adjacent to the coast. Valter, these are all things for you to talk about. Any thoughts on these ones here? This is all faith-based. Well, I like the, the that you can buy naval units with faith, uh-huh. um, because that usually, uh, I believe, it was also cheaper than than buying it with gold, uh, if I remember correctly. Mm. So that makes that makes it actually, if you have uh, some uh, faith building up, for example, if you are building city centers that are adjacent to the coast and stuff like that, then you might have every now and then uh, enough to buy an extra ship or something like that. Sure, and that could could be useful but it's very very situational and i'm not sure if, if it's good enough the religious yeah. units pay no movement to a uh, movement to embark or disembark it's also so super situational if you're playing continents even then it, it's just such a minor inconvenience that they do pay the movement and because they have four movement in general already it, it's probably not good enough Mm-mm. Now, up next, we have their unique unit, which is the Yong, which I uh, uh, is a very cool-looking unit. I have it up on the screen, and this is a beautiful screenshot that they did, in my opinion. Um, this is a replacement yeah. to the frigate. It unlocks with mercenary civic. It gets plus one movement. All units in formation inherit mo- they inherit the movement speed, and they get plus five combat when they're in formation. I like it. I'm behind this unit. I this would be one of my favorite things to use as her. I don't know if it is um if it is amazing. Again, I'm basing this knowledge off of the pre-patch where other AI were not using naval combat like ever. So I I feel like um just these perks on the surface level, like plus one movement and plus five combat while in formation. They sound useful, but I mean I will have to determine that when I see how big of a navy they send at me because plus five combat when you're fighting uh, an AI is kind of null and void because they probably are only sending one ship at you anyway. So we'll see if they're now sending those big armadas that are promised because in that case, yes, that movement speed will be important to whip around them, <laughs> to start striking at them from different directions, to, uh, you know, to use your formations to the best of your ability. Um, did you, I, I, I don't imagine, Valtteri, you're probably, were you playing on Pangea when you did this? Were there any naval people? Uh, I played only as Khmer, so I didn't play as Indonesia. But did you see anyone try and build a navy by chance in your game? Oh, no, I played Pangea. Uh-huh. I know you. I know you, Valter. But uh, I do want to know, I want to see if the AI starts sending massive naval fleets, because that was one of my favorite things when they started to do that in Civ Five. It just added variety to the game. You know, we've been playing this for a year with no naval conflicts for the most part. So it would be nice. I think the most I've ever seen in Civ Six is like two caravals come at me at the same time. Woohoo! Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen a lot uh, either. Yeah. So we'll see if we start getting like five or six military or naval units coming our way, because that would be that would make a lot of this more important. So I'll hold my judgment call on the Yong ship until I can get in there and get uh, 
my butt kicked by an evil fleet. Well, one of the advantages that the young itself has if you're trying to build them is that they come at uh, mercenaries instead of square rigging where the frigate comes into. True. So mercenaries is in the civic tree, all of, uh, first of all, mm-hmm. it, but it's also in the medieval era instead of the Renaissance era where square rigging is for for um, for frigates. And point. usually most people don't go down that path so much or so deeply at least. So uh, that could actually be a big bonus to to the young because it's a little bit earlier available as well yeah that that is a great point i think i think that um civ 6 still struggles with where square rigging really is because it feels so hard to get square rigging so this is I, i'm just emphasizing your point because i think it's a really good one valter that this maybe makes this unit i didn't even think of that really this makes this unit maybe way more useful because uh, square rigging just takes a long time to research, and it is in that weird section of the tree that you eventually need to go for it if you're going to go um, towards a more production-focused life, but it just feels strange. It's like they wanted to isolate it as a really naval-focused thing, but it's really hard to get and with the lack of emphasis on naval before it felt really unnecessary, and it just it didn't feel like it ever really paid off. So... This one in particular, like you're saying, mercenaries is something I always do very eagerly. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, because mercenaries is the one that lets you upgrade your units cheaper, is that right? That gives you yeah, it thing. unlocks the policy slot to uh, the uh, fifty discount on all unit upgrades. So yeah, but that's... it's also prerequisites for exploration, which unlocks the merchant republic, which is my favorite like mid-game government form. Uh-huh. So. I really mercenaries is one that I usually get quite quickly when I have the ability to do so. So that the placement on there is really, really making you a lot better. I agree. And a small side note: it's also twenty production more expensive than the frigate actually is. The oh, young. that's actually surprising though that that is, that costs more. Maybe that's their offset to it. Is is uh, yeah, you know you probably. get it sooner, but it costs a little bit more. Huh? Frigates yeah, are already hard so. enough to make so. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Uh, I, I do want to play with the Yong, though. I will absolutely play Indonesia. Okay, next up, we have the Kampong, if I'm saying that anything correctly. Uh, <laughs> unique improvement placed on coastal tiles that are adjacent to a sea resource. They give you plus one housing, plus one production, plus one food for each adjacent fishing boat. Um, more housing, more production, more tourism as you advance through the game. This is also a really cool-looking um, structure. I mean, is this... Oh, yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's beautiful. So how does this even work, Valter? So, like, what... So this is a... It is a unique improvement placed on coastal tiles. Have we had that before? A unique... Is there anyone in the game that I'm just not thinking of? Uh, uh, not for coastal tiles, at least. I don't think. I think this is a first. So, so that's actually really interesting because this means that tiles that are usually completely irrelevant uh-huh. all of a sudden can become quite relevant. Right. Because the coastal tiles, you can't build anything else up like you have on the land tiles, like farm or mine or whatever. Uh-huh. So all of a sudden, now, she will be able to utilize some tiles that had no use before with an extra building, which could make your city even better than it was before. Right. And it, it makes it, it adds some more the other questions for me, which is who builds this? Is it a build is it a builder that goes out there? Is this a Yeah, I, it's it's I, just like a normal tile improvement. It like so you just use your builder and it uses okay. one uh one charge. Yeah, I think they're called charges. That would make sense. Um, like yeah. you would would for normal things. It just um, feels the odd. The placement is yeah. very specific, though, because you need to be adjacent to any sea resources, like a fishing uh, a fishing boat resources. Yeah, I have. Uh, uh, there was a discussion before the patch actually was launched if uh, oil would also be uh, oh. a, a valid thing, but because they specifically say fishing boat, I don't think it's gonna be uh, able to build next to oil because oil can also be found in water. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I'm a fan of this. I really like it. I think it adds some flavor to the game, the idea of building out there in the water or something. But it's it just is different because all we've had so far is fishing boats to put out in the water. And like you're saying, oil rigging too. But um, yeah. 
I don't know. This feels cool, and I really like it. This reminds me of the Congo, actually, um, because it adds housing, production, and uh, tourism. So it kind of reminds me of their Mumbanzas, uh, which I like. I love those, actually. Those are great. I know this is slightly yeah, different I, than that, but they kind of hark back to that for me. I think you could you could do some really cool stuff, and especially also because because it gives extra production and it's a full housing as well for one charge of a builder. That's that's not a bad deal. Mm-mm. So it's one production and one food, which is better than a farm in most cases. Yeah. Plus a whole housing. Yeah. And it will become better later on. I think this is actually uh, a decent uh, decent building. Now, here's a question, just devil's advocate. Uh, I've had a hard time finding a lot of quality sea resources in certain games. Not all of them. Sometimes I'm really blessed with a lot of sea resources. Other times, I feel more than in Civ Five. I will get a game that a lot of my cities have almost no fishing boats uh, availability. And if I do, it's really far out there. So I think that, I mean, this is going to be very dependent on your start location, which they do have the, you know, the, um, what's it called? The, if you're doing true start, um, they, they are influenced to start a location like this. But yeah, they have a start bias reason, for coastal stuff and everything like that's that. That's start bias. Thank you. I don't know. For some reason you just draw the bad straw. You could almost not have any of these in your first few cities until you get to somewhere that's really rich in fish or something. Yeah, but you don't necessarily need to be very rich in it. I think if you already have one fishing boat there, one fish resource, it could also already be uh, a good thing for you to plop down a campung next to it. Oh, and I usually, would. Usually, if you if you're if it's in a good spot, and you're also you have to consider, of course, where you will build your harbor. Uh-huh. But uh, you might actually be able to build two or in the. the utmost best scenario three kampong uh from one fishing boat already so i don't think you need a whole lot of of resources on the coast to actually profit from this that's a good point though uh, like i was saying i mean i've rolled many a coastal game where i have zero fish or any sort of a harvestable sea resource so yeah i mean right. yeah, hopefully that, that sucks <laughs> yeah and i mean we're talking like pure naval sieve style and you get zero fish in your city so my my point isn't so much like you have to be rich in them so much as you have to have one i guess i i misspoke um and i don't i i don't feel like that's correct i feel like almost every coastal city should theoretically have fish in a Decent proximity? I mean, come on. The fish aren't just totally limited like that in the ocean. So I don't know if that's a tile distribution thing, but I get that more often than not. And I notice it solely because I build a lot of coastal sieves. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully hopefully this works out. I really want it to. It looks like a great tile improvement that I'm very eager to do as well. I, I will. Ho- I hope I will be able to play a game with uh, Indonesia I- in the coming week, and then uh, I'll get back to you next week on how the campung actually uh, worked out for me. Yeah, I, I really want to uh, to do it. It's it's like a great, great, great unit or uh, unique tile improvement. So, Indonesia, here we come. With these two, we also get a wonder, which is the anchor wad is back. Uh, it gives you one population in all current cities when it is built and plus one housing in all cities must be adjacent to an aqueduct district. So again, more emphasis on the aqueduct voucher. I feel like we said this months ago, said you need to work on the aqueduct. It's not good. And I still don't know if they've made it good, but they've made it a requirement. (laughs) Thoughts. Yeah. So th- what what this means to me, uh, the Angkor Wat unlocks within the medieval fairs uh, civic. Um, by then, if you're playing Khmer, you probably have a couple of aqueducts, and you want to build the Angkor Wat because what plus one population in all your current cities is actually pretty good. Especially yeah. because uh, when you're playing Civ uh, uh, Six, you probably will build a lot of cities. And with each city that you build, the Anchor Ward becomes more powerful because you will get another pop out of it. Um, I think it, it's a pretty good wonder. The fact that you have to build an aqueduct specifically for it, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But if you have a, a, a an aqueduct in a city and you have a, like room available next to that aqueduct, I think the Anchor Ward will be really good to actually build because plus one pop, I love it. I really love that. 
I could see that being a huge benefit, especially, I mean, once you, in the earlier game, are, are trying to get your population up in a bunch of cities, that is so powerful. Plus one housing to accommodate everything as well. So I would it's do it. It's pretty much free pop in every city. Yeah. Um, besides the amenities, but amenities usually don't matter that much anyway. So yeah, it, it's one extra pop in every city. Hooray! I am so on board for this. Uh, I, I will try it. And then we also get a new natural wonder, which is the Ha Long Bay. I don't think I said that correctly. It probably feels like there's <laughs> something else going on there. But a two-tiled natural wonder that can be found on coastal terrain and provides plus three food, plus one production, and plus one culture. Uh, it is plus 15 combat strength when defending in that tile. I like it. It sounds cool. Plus three food, plus one production, plus one culture. Those are that speak in my language, and you get that combat strength when defending. It's a really great natural wonder to build your city pretty much next up to, so that you you be coastal and you can have um, your ships guarding your your coastal entrance pretty much in that natural wonder. So they were really difficult to take out and everything like that. I, I, it could be nice. I haven't seen it yet in the game, but. So far, I've only played one with the patch. E <laughs> I am a, I, I want to I want to see this thing. It, it it seems like it's pretty cool. I don't know if they have a picture of it anywhere in these patch notes, but uh, if I see uh, it, I'll call it. Yeah, out. I, I have seen a picture of it, but I'm not sure where. It looked pretty cool. Oh yeah, I I gotta look it up here. Let's see how long bay. Uh, the next thing we got is the path. Do you want to talk about the scenario, Valter? Do you while I look for this picture? Sure. So they have the Path to Nirvana scenario added into the game, which is another 50-turn scenario um, in which you have to compete to have the most followers of your religion, the most fate per turn, and the most foreign cities that are following your religion. Um, I'm not sure about this challenge. The, the previous challenges weren't... Well, some were pretty okay, I think. Um, this one, I'm not completely sure if I really love it. It's just pretty much building onto what what I already said, this is going that they are focusing a lot on uh, fate. Mm. And um, this scenario definitely does that as well. But it's just literally trying to do religious victory in the game in a scenario by having the most followers and fate. So it could be interesting, but I don't really think it will be that interesting. It is a good way of showing off the, the, uh, the overhauled religion lens, maybe, but that's about it. I see you found a picture. I did find a picture. I also was looking at real-life pictures of it. And it I, okay, first of all, <laughs> it is beautiful in the game. It's a very pretty yeah. wonder. I would like to settle near Actually, in-game, I want to live near this. But in real life, it is also very beautiful. And I want to go there now. How do I live there? I love tropical things like this, except I know there's lots of bugs there, Valter. So, mm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of bugs either. No, that see that's the trick to all the all the beautiful both in game and real life. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a very good point. That's the <laughs> trick about all those like beautiful Caribbean sort of things that you see and settling the new world. It's all pretty and it's all fun in games, but when you think about trekking up these cool, beautiful little mountain ridges, I'm just like, oh, yellow fever. Um, so yeah, I'll just I'll just enjoy it through Civ Six. That's all. Thanks. Uh, so the scenario, not my cup of tea, and we get a lot of religion uh, improvements. Let's see how we're doing on time here. 37 minutes. So we have some time to get into this. We probably won't finish these patch notes this week, um, not at least to giving them full dedication to all that they bring us. Um, but this is the one I'm kind of going to let you run with, Valter. Uh, but we'll start it off here with, we're looking at, these are the general fall 2017 uh, updates. So we're starting off with a overhauled religion lens. How'd that work out for you? Uh, it's actually really good. Right now, you can, before this, you had this bunch of colors everywhere, which were blinding most people mm -hmm. and really didn't say anything except like, oh, this city has this religion, but I knew that by the icon on the city already. So thank you. Sure. But now it also shows you um, where they are getting pressure from and um, how much tur uh, turns it will take to naturally convert a uh, certain city to certain religion and everything like that. Mm -hmm. It shows you which religions are present uh, with just the two buttons, not the big wheel that you had, which was like half full with one color and half full with another color and then all those crazy yeah. like interpretations <laughs> you had to make out of it. 
it became a whole lot clearer. And that is amazing because uh, you want that information, especially the information that they're giving how your your religion is traveling passively, mm-hmm. but also how the religion of other cities is traveling traveling passively. That is a big improvement, which which I really, really love and was sorely needed as well. Yeah, that, I have to say, that whole, everything about religion confused me. So overall, these notes that we're going to go through uh, make me a lot more keen to it, I should say, for everyone out there that's like, shut up, Kyle, you hate religion. Uh, all religious <laughs> units move on their own layer. Hallelujah. That is something that I am interested in because, boy, did that annoy the crap out of me with those units oh, yeah. taking up tiles before. Um, yeah, and there's another one. It, it was such that... an annoying thing where you had an enemy missionary standing on a resource you wanted to build with <laughs> your worker on, but you had to wait until he started to move away so you could build on it. Uh, this was also sorely needed as well, I think. Can I also skip down two points and say they added a condemn heretic unit action to allow military units to eliminate religious units in their tile, uh, similar to pillaging a trade route? Yes and yes. Both of those things <laughs> together make me a very happy camper because, like you said, they would always block me in a non-realistic way of like, oh, Kyle wants to improve. We can't because... Someone over there, uh, Spain's playing the religious game and have spammed me with missionaries, so I gotta wait until that's over with. <laughs> I'm very that's happy interesting. I'm I'm really curious um, because before you also like kill the military of uh, a uh, uh, religious unit, if you were at war with the enemy, you put a military unit on top of it. Uh, I'm sure uh, I'm not sure if that's still a thing then, because oh. you now have the condemn heretic. Because if that would be removed, that would actually be kind of annoying because then you need extra movement to do the condemn heretic action and stuff like that. I still imagine that the unit would die if you move a military unit on it and you are at war with the enemy, but I'm not sure. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think of it that way. Um, either way, I'm happy with both decisions, but and unless it starts... Maybe that makes more sense, though, for the religious play style that you don't just get them stomped on just by someone walking over there. They actually have to make the conscious decision to click it and then lose a a movement point. So I don't know. I guess. I guess. Display religion, if applicable, for a unit to be purchased with faith. That seems like a nice little UI tweak. I don't know, but it seems good. Yeah. It's not important, but it's nice to have. Yeah. Because there will be people who had sometimes bought in the wrong city a unit of the wrong fate and that then they'd be sad and now they have no reason to be sad anymore because it's very very clearly uh displayed which fate you're going to build uh the unit of that's good that's excellent uh added religion indicators to unit flags what is that same kind of thing okay uh, so you know which religion is spreading towards you because uh, everywhere in the UI they use the religious uh, icon and everything like that. And now they use the icon on the flag as well. So it's uh, clearer. Like, oh, Gandhi is sending me religious units, but I founded Hinduism. So which religion did Gandhi have? <laughs> oh, it's Protestantism. Oh, yeah, okay, now I get it. Uh, I so it's it's Protestantism that's coming to me. And this is just easier to to see. That's nice. Those UI tweaks are needed, especially because we were just talking about how it was in need of it anyway. So this all seems to be going in the same direction. Uh, Religious units now exert zone of control and receive flank and support bonuses in religious combat. That seems cool. Yeah, they flashed up religious combat a a lot more. So this is is a very, very good move. Good. Well, I like it. That works. Added two new pantheons, two new founder beliefs, two new follower beliefs, two new enhancer beliefs, and two new worship beliefs with new buildings. Follower belief warrior monks unlocks the new warrior monk unit, a medieval land unit uh, with its own promotion tree that is purchased with faith. Wow. Okay. That sounds like a lot of info to unpack and why that feels like it should be closer to the top of the list. Yeah, it, it's a lot. And I, I, I tried to look up quickly which uh, new beliefs were actually there because I don't remember exactly. I, 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 I mean, the one that you said was one of them, but there are a lot of new beliefs in there. And I kind of forgot what they were. Unfortunately, I can't find it this quickly either. This one might be a question for you and maybe you haven't had a chance, but Tell Rainer asks, uh, what do you guys think of the new warrior monk effectiveness? Have you had a chance to play with them, Valter? 
No, because the warrior monk is uh, is a follower belief. Um, that kind of means that you have to spend one of those slots onto that. Um, since I went for a religious victory and the warrior monk is not that much of a religious victory unit, I didn't really go for that. But yeah, I, I think it is very interesting that, that made, they made that choice to have the warrior monk uh, actually a thing. And um, so the warrior monk has nothing to do with like the religious combat. It is a full-on military unit, right? And that and that's super super strange. Um, I like it. I don't know. Weirdly, uh, yeah. It, I, that's no. I don't even know. I don't see a picture of these guys, huh? I'm very interested in this unit. I didn't. I didn't notice this embedded in the in the show notes until we got here. This seems like a very cool unit, but yeah, I can't seem to find a picture of it. And they didn't post one. Um, oh, really? They didn't post a picture I of it. I don't think so. Let's go back to the. Uh, I don't think. I so. mean, they have some pretty cool promotions. I mean, the Cobra Strike plus fifteen combat strength yeah. in all situations, which is of course a, a late promotion because it's pretty good. Can get extra movement. Uh, when you defeat an enemy unit, spread spreads the religion to nearby cities. Um, plus one ten combat strength in all situations. So because they start at thirty five combat strength, and that's not that high. So if you want to keep them viable throughout the rest of the game, you need these kinds of promotions to to kind of keep them up and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, they can get double flanking bonus from the beginning, um, and they can also get an additional attack per turn if movement allows. And they can also become like kind of invisible, like all like I think it was the privateers. They had the same thing. Only adjacent enemy units can reveal this unit. Mm. So oh. th that, that's ex they they have some pretty cool promotions. And if you're going to play a Spain game, for example, I can definitely see you getting some warrior monks, and because you're using your religion in um in in a way as like forcing you to domination victory i would say mm -hmm. and with that you can probably use that really really well yeah teller says um that the warrior monk can be upgraded it's pretty strong but yeah i think it's more useful if you're a civ like saladin but may not go for religion but you'll have one and can get those yeah that makes sense so you get kind of a yeah. a different military unit out of it i, I kind of like that i i like this concept this feels cool to me <clears> so I don't know. I I'm, really want to play around with that one as well. So uh, send I, pictures I think too. It is, it's a really interesting thing. <laughs> you could be the first person to post a po photo of it on the internet. What a title that would be. <laughs> um, let's see. Let, let's try and get through the rest of these religious ones, and then we'll wrap this episode up for this week. Added the Guru religious support unit, which can heal nearby religious units. If you take a picture of that other oh, one, take a picture. Sorely of this. needed as well. Good. I'm really happy that 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 they brought this in because. If you were having your apostles running around in enemy territory, uh, doing some religious battles, then you had to send them back home to your holy side to heal them up again. Uh, this just makes so much sense that there is a support unit which can heal your nearby religious units. Right, it does make sense. Uh, improved long range. Uh, sorry, improved improved long term usefulness of missionaries by giving their spread religion ability a ten percent eviction of all other religions. Sounds like something to me, Valter. I mean, it, evicting <laughs> other religions is really powerful. Um, this actually makes the missionary a bit more viable, but I still don't really build missionaries, even though with this this thing. Yeah. Um, the apostle promotion, where you remove, in this case now, uh, pretty much all of the uh, other religion, is really powerful. Um, this doesn't come close enough to to actually be good enough for that. But mm. um, yeah, um, it, it, it's it's making missionaries at least a little bit more useful. So that's good. Make missionaries great again, as they say. Yes. Uh, this one we kind of already talked about. Give, gave nine existing leaders the low religious preference trait, so they are unlikely to push hard for religion, making it easier for players to get one on high difficulties. Makes sense to me. I mean, you got some civs that don't really seem very like very religious civilizations to begin with, so make them compete less for it. They didn't note those nine civs though in these show notes or patch notes. I found that interesting. Now, I have seen the list and it made a lot of sense. Um, and what is important to remember is that if they have 
like they will not pursue Stonehenge necessarily religiously anymore. See what I did there? Religiously. I but, did. Um, if they still, uh, if they have the the option to to build Stonehenge without a problem, stuff like that, uh, this low religious preference will not like uh, stop them from doing that. Right. They they will not focus everything on getting a religion anymore. But if it's convenient and they're able to do it, they will still do it. So I think that that is the the good way to implement this system. Um, it's not like they completely removed any want for religion at all from these these nine leaders. Mm -hmm. They just toned it down. Like if it's convenient, then get a religion. If not, don't go out if you wait to get one. Makes sense. Makes total sense. I mean, that's that's kind of what you want. And I hope the Congo is appropriately preference in all of its decisions as well seeing as they can't make one so um yeah. i think they had an innate already like let's not go for religion <laughs> but then again the congo does go for holy sites and everything like that because that is a kind of a congo thing so yeah i don't i'm pretty sure they were not one of the low religious preference <laughs> ones they just yeah, yeah. they just can't they just can't. Uh, added unit action tooltip to show you how many followers you'll have in a city after you spread religion there. Boy, that sounds very useful to me. It actually is because now you can see like how many followers are already there and afterwards how much impact that my, my conversion actually have. It will also show you if the, if the city will, what the main religion will be in the city after uh, you click the button. So that could be uh, another religion, no majority religion, or your religion, for example. I just literally say which religion it will be. I've always found religion in Civ to be a bit complicated for how much I care about it. And this is one of the things I think will really ease that burden because I don't like having that guesswork. And I definitely don't want to do math related to this part of the game. So just telling me is a lot better and a lot more appealing. So I, yeah, yeah. Adding religious pressure to both ends of trade routes. Destination gets plus one uh, per turn of the city. Sorry. Destination gets one pressure per turn of the origin city's majority religion. This is the same amount as if the city were close by. Origin city, on the other hand, gets 0.5 pressure per turn of the destination city's majority religion. Makes sense, but it's kind of mathy for me. Uh, I mean, it, it is kind of the thing as what we had in previous uh, iterations of the Civ game. If yeah. you were sending a trade route to a city, you would slowly convert that city to your religion and vice versa. Yeah, uh, it, it still makes that it, your religion gets more pressure going out than coming in if the other city has a different religion. But it still is. It, it's a thing. Um, it doesn't matter that much, but it's nice to have there. I like it. That makes sense. It's like the old one. And finally, to wrap it up, we got added eight new relics to the game. Huzzah! <laughs> that seems cool. I like relics, so... Uh... Yeah, especially just adding some new relics, which makes a little bit more diverse. Yeah. This yeah. means you will encounter some other relics that you haven't seen before, and that's always nice. I mean, I love the Ark of the Covenant, but I've had it so many times. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy there will be new relics. Yeah, no, that seems cool. Uh, last question we have time to take today. Tellner, tell, tell Renner, I sorry, I'm botching your name all of a sudden. Uh, so, sorry to be asking so many questions, and I don't know if you've covered it. Please, you're always welcome to ask questions. That's why we do it on Twitch, everybody, so you can ask real-time questions. What does Valter think of the Persian unique unit buff uh, that it now acts as a melee unit? Is it viable now? I assume it can capture cities now. We didn't really get to that, did we? Because that's in, is that another section here? It's, it's, it's later on. Uh, I assume, but yes. Uh, so the the Spartan oh. uh, Persian uh, oh. unique unit is now a full on melee unit acting style. It still will have the ability to shoot uh, arrows and everything like that. But this probably does indeed mean that it can capture um, cities, and um, that's a big change. Yes, because he kind of. I have. I, I still on. have to test this because if this also means that you can choose if you want to do a range attack or a melee attack with the unit itself against another unit, that makes it even more amazing. Um, if this indeed is working as I think it is, 
this completely uh, solved the whole problem that I had with it, and I'm in love with it now, and I want to marry it and have his children. Wow. Wow. You heard it here first. Valter is engaged, potentially, to the Persian immortal unit, which, by the way, great, great point. Glad. See, this is why we have you asking questions, because we, we didn't get to it. That's going to be more for next week, so maybe we can do a little bit of a deeper dive on it, because we're going to pick up on the patch notes where we left off. We're just running really short on time here, but um, that that is massive, because that unit got totally crapped on for its lack of abilities in the last uh, last iteration of it, and that could really change things. So next week, we're going to talk about balance changes like these gossip messages being changed, which I'm in favor of. Proper Navy building from AIs. Hallelujah. Much needed. Uh, and some bug fixes. So, Valter, do you have a strategy tip to, to, to walk us out the door with this week? Yes, because we were going down the list of the leaders, yes. um, and we are now already past the Khmer, so I want to talk a little bit more about the Khmer. We, ha we had a bit of conversation about it already, mm -hmm. and um, I, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into it than I did before. So they have the ability for the holy sites to provide two extra food and one extra housing of place on a river, and you can use it as a cultural bomb. They are very much a religious... Um, civilization that they are so much catered towards the religious victory by first look that that is what you would be going for and with that culture bomb especially that the holy sites you want to build on on rivers for extra food and housing but the culture bomb is way more important if there's a better place for your holy site to be placed so that you can steal a couple of good tiles from an enemy uh, not necessarily good tiles that tiles that you can work but specifically tiles that they might really like just steal them with your holy side screw the two food and, ha and the one housing uh -huh. uh, screw the adjacency bonuses because that's not that much anyway just use it for the cultural bomb that is where the biggest power of this is Very they also get the plus three fade and plus one amenity from uh, uh, for entertainment for to each city with an aqueduct and the farms provide plus two food if adjacent to an aqueduct this requires you to actually start planning out where you build your city so much more because plus two food if adjacent to an aqueduct is a really really powerful ability for a farm to have um you normally you do a lot of effort to get them in those famous triangles so that they get plus one food now if you build it adjacent to an aqueduct you can get plus two food for each farm. This makes the aqueduct very viable for, for the Khmer to build. And if you build it in a correct place, you, you can get your fresh water from there. You can build like four farms adjacent to it. So that's another plus eight food in total. That makes a very, very lucrative aqueduct. The Dominary, we, we talked about a lot already that it is a great siege unit. And and I love it, and you should use it because it's awesome because it's also an elephant with a blister on its back. And don't forget to look at the Civilopedia uh, picture of it because the fact that it, the ballista also has a face and a smile is really nice and, and a nice detail. Um, Someone who loves that us you... very much should post that on the subreddit for us. <laughs> go, <laughs> go find that somebody and post it there. We will love you a long time. And then you have to parse that, which... I mean, I still haven't completely tried it fully because I didn't have much of a religious combat. So it might be a viable thing. But if it is a viable thing, let, let's just assume that it will work with the missionaries uh, receiving the martyr ability and you can get a lot of relics out of this. This means that you can start going for a cultural victory really, really quickly with Khmer as well. Just go far, f found your religion based upon the fact that your relics get extra bonuses and stuff like that. Build every missionary that you can get your hands on and just let them die. Let them die by barbarians. Let them die by enemy... Uh, Units declare war on an enemy, for example. Do whatever you need to do. Just make them die on mass and everything like that, and gain more relics than you know what to do with. And by that, go for a cultural victory. I think this is definitely a good possibility, and especially because the parasite has an extra slot for the relics. I think this this could work quite well. Uh, I still have to test it, 
Uh, so don't take my complete word for it, but um, I'm pretty sure this will work and, and, and it could be really powerful. So all in all, Khmer focused on religious victory, has a couple of good things going for them for that, but they are still quite versatile and uh, they have a lot of cool things and I like them. I like playing as them. Well, there you go. So we got Khmer has a has a thumbs up. Indonesia will be getting to uh, probably next week. It's some some talk going on a little bit more on that. We got a lot more patch notes to cover. Thank you so much for everyone that joined us on Twitch today. Great questions uh, all around. Uh, this is some really cool content that Fraxis added. So there's going to be a lot to dive into. Those two new leaders and patch notes just to change it all up. So very 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 fun. Huge thank you to all of our patrons that make this show happen and, and make us uh, appear on Twitch every Sunday. Sorry that we miss some times. We've just been having life happen. So uh, we're, we're, we're doing better, <laughs> especially because Veraxis uh, uh, is reinvigorating everything. So that's very, very fun. <laughs> um, if you want to follow us on Twitch, it is twitch.tv slash Kyle Dempster Studios. You can find all the links that you'll need to everything. The podcast, the Twitch page, the X, Y, and Z submission links to send us an email and all that great stuff that's all over at civcastpodcast.com you'll be taken to a page where you can go to the bottom and find everything you'll want and need let's see what else oh join our discord there's a lot happening on discord we got a little uh, subcategory even for uh civilization six there so you guys can chat about all things civ um and that is basically going to do it for this week this episode will go up here in a little bit so if you want to catch it in podcast form if you missed anything it will be there go um sub on our reddit which is civcast.reddit.com nice and easy for you to find or r slash civcast uh we love everything happening there don't forget you only have until this upcoming saturday to complete your civcast challenge for october playing as nubia a great civilization so get in there kick some butt on that domination play and report back to us we'll go over that next week valter thank you very much for everything and uh for everyone else out there just one more turn You're listening to CivCast on the Kyle Dempster Studios Network. For more shows like this, visit kyledempsterstudios.com.